Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we're continuing our study on what the birth of Christ is that great time of the year we focus on our Savior, Galatians 4 4. In the fullness of time, God brought forth his son born of a woman. At exactly the right time, God brought his son into the world. Last week, we began what we call really a two part study, uh, basically concerning different people centered around the birth of Christ. We've been seeing two things. We saw people and events both before and after the birth. In fact, last time we saw four people before the birth. We saw Zacharias and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary. This week, we're going to see four after the birth, and we'll see how that ties together. Uh, Christmas, of course, was yesterday. We love it, and, and now it, it is after the birth, and so it's a special time, and we're, we're all very familiar with these passages, and, and yet it's just alive and powerful and sharpening two-edged sword. So we should know it and understand it and pass it on. So this morning, we're looking at what we're calling four after the birth. Well, Christmas is, is the time really of, of joy and hope and love and, of course, gifts. But the focus really should be on the birth of Christ. Think about it. The joy, the joy because the Savior's come. Hope because the hope of eternal life. Love because God so loved the world. And gifts because we think of the greatest gift of all, the gift of the Son, Jesus Christ. We mentioned last week that sometimes the focus at Christmas gets away from really the birth of Christ and salvation and the Messiah and the Savior. And it focuses on getting and giving and all those kind of things. As we get older, we realize that Jesus' words are true. It is more blessed to give than receive. When you're young, you want things. So you just can hardly wait. And then when you're older, you're, you're wanting to give it away and you want to watch other people get it. I, um, I've read this before because it's my favorite, my favorite letter to Santa. Okay, here it is. It, it, it says, Dear Santa, there are three boys who live in our house. There's Jeffrey, he's two. There's David, he's four. And there's Norman, he's seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all of the time. I'm Norman. That's his letter. <laughs> you know, think about it. Even, even though the world's focus is on gifts and things, it, it should be on the greatest gift of all, and that is the gift of the birth of Jesus Christ. John 1:14. the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal Son of God always existed at a point in time in history, actually became a human being. Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of the time, God sent forth His Son. Of course, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. That, what did he do? He gave his son. He came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for sin. We realized that the child was born, born to die. As we think about our study, we saw last time four people before the birth of Christ. This happens to be four people after the birth of Christ. And, and we saw really they had a message and how did they respond. And last week we saw two couples, four people, an older couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and a younger couple, Joseph and Mary. We saw Zacharias and Elizabeth, they got a message. They would have a son who would go before the Messiah, be the one that Isaiah talked about, the, the voice crying in the wilderness. That would be their son. And they believed and they told others. And then we saw Joseph and Mary. They had a message that their son would be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. They believed and told others. But there was a cost involved, and that bringing the son of the world and the stigma and protecting him and raising the child, we saw all of that last time. We realize we have a message from God, and that is God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus, and whoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. We have a responsibility. Our response is to, is to not only believe that message, but then to tell other people about that message. Well, we saw those four people before the birth, and now we're going to quickly look at the birth, and then we're going to look at four people afterwards, and we're going to look at them this way. We're going to look at the shepherds, and then a man named Simeon, and then a, some wise men, and then the man named Herod, sometimes called Herod the Great. 
And before we look at these four, let's think about the greatest thing of all. In Luke chapter 2, I hope you're there. In Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 through 7 is the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's just look at it. It says this, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, Caesar Augustus put out this census because he wanted to tax the world. And he thought he was doing his thing by telling everybody to go to their hometown. And he thought it was his plan. But actually, he was being used by God to fulfill prophecy. Mary and Joseph were living in Nazareth at the time. And when the decree came, they had to go to Bethlehem. And we know that according to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. So Caesar Augustus, I didn't realize that it was helping fulfill the word of God. Look what happened. It says, everyone, verse 3, <clears throat> everyone was on his way to register for the census each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, that's the northern part of Israel, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, that's the southern part, because he was of the house and the family of David. And he did this, why? In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Well, and now it's time for the birth. Look what it says. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. That's a feed trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. The inns were not like a holiday inn. The inns were not very good places, but they had to find some place. And when they got there, there wasn't any room there. And so they found a place, best we could tell, outside somewhere, maybe where some animals were. And there was a feed trough there. And that's where they were when the baby Jesus was born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths. She laid him in a feed trough, a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Well, we're going to see now the birth. He's, he's, he's been born. So let's see some people after the birth. And, of course, we'll see them, and we, we, we think about them. They're going to receive a message, and we're going to see their response. Well, the first one, the shepherds. And we think about the shepherds and what is the message that they're going to get. Look at verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. You know, I've had people come to me and say, Jesus couldn't have been born in December because uh, it's way too cold. And so the shepherds would not have been out in the fields at night. Well, that's not exactly right. I, in 1976, I was in Israel, and I was in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve, and we were outside of Bethlehem, and there were shepherds out there, and we were all out there, and I had on a sweater. That's all. It, it's not that cold. I had a, uh, a, a friend that I admired a lot. He started Florida Bible College. His name was Dr. Mark Cameron. He went back and searched through David, the records of, of David and when David anointed, uh, appointed all the priests in their times. And he traced it all the way up to even Zacharias, the best he could find. And he said that it looked to him like, based on the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus being six months after, that Jesus was probably born in December. So when we say, well, he wasn't born in December, you can say, he might have been, and he probably was, and it doesn't really matter. But I like December, don't you? I think it's a good time for him to be born. In that same region, there were some shepherds, and they were staying out in the field, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terribly frightened. Angels are so powerful. They're very powerful beings. And this one angel appears, and the power is so great. There's the glory of the Lord is shining all about them, and they were afraid. And you would be too. If an angel appeared to you, you would be afraid. 
And so it says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Quit being afraid, literally what it says. Quit being afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. What is this idea? It's good news. It's called, we call it the gospel. Great joy it brings the joy of salvation. It's to all people everywhere, everyone, because Jesus Christ died for every human being. This is good news of great joy for all people. What exactly is this message? Well, in verse 11, it says, in the city of David, notice, it says, for today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We could just stop right there and, and end everything and say, is this the greatest thing of all? Born that day was the Savior, Christ the Lord. Christ, of course, means the Messiah. Messiah, the Lord, the Lord means deity. So he is Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior. He is the Savior. Notice, he didn't call him a great teacher, didn't say he was a good man, didn't say he was a prophet, didn't say he was a good example. The angel said he is the Savior, the Savior of the world. Every one of us in this room, we need to be saved. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. We're all supposed to be separated. Jesus Christ came and died in our place for our sins. And whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. And the Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Salvation is by faith. And so angels said, you don't have to be afraid. Good news, great joy. All people for born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If you were one of those shepherds, what would you think? You would say, you're telling me the one we, we've always heard about, the one we've always waited for, the one who is the Savior of the world, has been born in Bethlehem. And you could see him almost look around and say, how are we going to find him? And the angel said, this will be a sign for you. Verse 12, this will be a sign for you. This is how you'll find him. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, in a feed trough. It's going to be that. You can, find, you can go into the city, whatever newborn baby you find. There may be a few of them, but there's going to be a brand new baby going to be in a manger wrapped in cloths. Wow, what a sign. And suddenly, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. So a whole bunch of angels showed up, and they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on peace among men with whom he is well pleased. I know we always say the angels came and sang. It doesn't say they sang. If you want them to sing, they, that's fine. But they, it says, they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Can you imagine that night as a shepherd seeing an angel and then the whole sky filled with angels telling you that the Savior of the world has been born. Wow. What is their response? They believe the message. Look what they said. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem. See, they weren't very far out from Bethlehem. That was the in between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. It's eight miles, by the way. It's only eight miles. They were in, in somewhere in between there. And they said, let's go to Bethlehem then. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Now, just remember where they see him. They see him outside in a manger, in a feed trough, Mary and Joseph. And what did they do? When they had made known this, they t we saw angels and they came and they said, this baby is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. When they had seen this, they had made known the statement which had told them about the child. All who heard it 
wondered at these things that he's told by these shepherds. How would they know this? Angels told them. Mary treasured this in her heart. She pondered them in her heart. And then what did the angels do? I mean, what did the shepherds do? Shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just has been told to them. They had a message. The Savior is born. Their response? To believe and told others. And we're to believe and tell others. Well, let's meet somebody else. Somebody else after the birth of Christ. We're going to meet a man. He's old. His name is Simeon. He's looking for the consolation of Israel. Now, that means he's looking for the Messiah. The consolation of Israel is the Savior who would come and save the nation and save the world. And he's looking for that. And he's an older man. And you could look a little further in Luke chapter 2 to verse 25, and it says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he's an older man. In fact, we're going to find that he's really old. In fact, he could die at any time. He's that old. But he was looking for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was giving him information. And look at verse 26, because he's gotten a message. And it would be, he would not die until he saw the Savior, the anointed one of God. Look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And that's pretty amazing. Here's this older man, and he understands that he will not die until he actually sees the Savior of the world. What a promise. And so you know that every day that he wakes up, he goes, is this the day? Is this the day? Well, what was his response? Look at verse 27. He came into the Spirit into the temple, and when he saw the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, we'll stop for just a second. He came into the temple by the Holy Spirit. In other words, that morning, that day, when he woke up, the Holy Spirit said, this day you go to the temple. He went, okay. And when he got there, he saw this couple come in with a baby. And he knows that's the baby. He knows that's the Messiah. Now, let me tell you something just for you to understand. If you look back in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, I want to tell you how the law affected Joseph and Mary. It says, when the eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel of was conceived in the womb. When a boy baby was born, the woman was set apart for seven days, and on the eighth day, they went and named him. And on the eighth day, they named him Jesus. Then a woman waited 33 more days for a baby boy. Notice it goes on to say, And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses was completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him before the Lord. Jesus is 40 days old. It's been the seven days, named on the eighth day, counted up 33 more days, and so it's now 40 days. By the way, when a boy baby was born, they counted 33 days. When a girl baby was born, they counted 66 days. So now it's the 40th day. When he was eight days old, they named him Jesus. Now it's 40 days, and they've come in, and what they're supposed to do is offer a sacrifice. It's actually presenting him. He's firstborn. And in the Mosaic law, firstborn son belonged to God. And so you would come in and offer a sacrifice to God, and God would let you keep your firstborn. That's the plan. So they've come in there at the 40th day. 
to bring in Jesus to be presented before the Lord. Verse 27 again, and he came in the spirit in the temple. This is, Zachar- uh, this is uh, Simeon. And when he, the parents brought in the child, Jesus, they bring him in to uh, present the sacrifice, to carry out for them the custom of the law, he took him into his arms and blessed God and said. Now, can you imagine this? They walk in and he goes, hey, come here. Let me have the baby. Give, give me the baby. I can die, Lord. I see the Savior of the world. I see the one you promised. I can now die. Look what he said. He took, her, took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. I can die. That's according to your words. You said I wouldn't die till I saw the baby. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I've seen the Savior of the world, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He said, I can die in peace. I have seen the Savior, seen the Savior. A light of revelation to the Gentiles, that's to us, and the glory of your people, Israel, the Jews. He's the Savior of the world. So this man, he got a message. He wouldn't die till he saw the Messiah. His response, he believed. He saw the Messiah, and he told others. Well, there's some more. And we call these people the wise men. They're really, the name is Magi. They studied the stars. There were two different groups, usually coming out of the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the uh, Greco-Macedonian Empire, but going back to the Babylonians and the Greco-Macedonians, they had people they called Magi, which studied the stars. And some were like astronomers, and some were like astrologers. We think that these people, when Daniel was in captivity some six or 700 years earlier, that he told them that one day that a sign would appear in the sky and it would be the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And that message had been passed down. And we believe that when Jesus was born, a star appeared. And these wise men saw the star. And some of them who had been taught by Daniel said, that's the sign of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so these magi begin to come together and decide to go find the one born king of the Jews. Now, don't think that this happened the night Jesus was born. The star may have appeared that night, but they didn't get there till almost two years later, based on what we see from the Scripture. When King Herod said he found out what time they saw the star, and when King Herod killed all the little boy babies, he killed them two years old and under. So it took them a while to get there. And so let's, let's talk about these, these people. And to do this, we have to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. And you can turn there if you want to, if you'd love to. Matthew chapter 2. And it says, after Jesus, this is chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now let me, let's talk about tradition. Every tradition is there were three. Where did that come from? Well, if you remember, there was a guy by the name of Lou Wallace. He wrote a book. Uh, and in that book, he started his book with three men 
from separate places coming together in the middle of the desert, all riding on camels. And when they got there, the book is, by the way, is Ben-Hur. Judah Ben-Hur is the the story of the Christ. By the way, if you've ever seen Ben-Hur, the story is Judah Ben-Hur, and underneath it is the story of the Christ. Lew Wallace was a general in the Civil War, and he wrote this book. And those three men came together on camels, all brought by the Holy Spirit, and they said, we will find the king of kings. That's the start of the book. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that says there were three. We know that they brought three different gifts. In fact, there were probably a lot more than three. There were probably a caravan because we realize, if you notice in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. It probably wasn't three people coming into Jerusalem. It probably was three or four hundred people coming into Jerusalem in this big caravan. And they're saying, we're looking for the one born king of the Jews. So there were a lot there. And so here they are. They've come. They, saw, they said, we saw his star. We saw his star in the east. And we've come to worship him. Well, they've got a message. Their message is, we're looking for the Savior. We're looking for the king. We're looking for the Messiah. We're looking for the king of the Jews. How did they respond? They believed. They saw this star, and we've come to worship him. We believe he's the Messiah and the Savior and the king of kings. They believed the message, and they came to worship. You remember what happened? They actually ended up going seeing King Herod. And King Herod, uh, he wasn't real happy about hearing the fact that they were looking for the king of the Jews because he said, I'm the king of the Jews. I don't know who this born king of the Jews is, but I'm the king of the Jews. And so after these people, they were there, he called in some of the religious leaders and he said, listen, where is it in your scripture that it says the king of the Jews would be born? And the religious leader said, Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Of course, they didn't have it broken down then. They said, Micah tells us that he'll be born in Bethlehem. And so King Herod came back to these wise men and said, I understand he's in Bethlehem, so why don't you do me a favor? Go find him. When you find him, let me know, because I would really love to worship him. Now, he's a liar. He didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill him, because he's a threat. So he told the wise men, well, go, go and and find him. And when you go and find him, let me know, because I would like to worship him. Well, they went. Verse 7 says, Sarah secretly called the Magi and determined what time they saw the star. They said, that's about, that's about two years ago. We've been following this. We've been looking at this. We've been checking this out for about two years. And he said, go find him that I may worship him. And then they went, and it says, And after hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, which had been seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They went, wow, this is it. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him, and they opened their treasures. They presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, listen, notice they came not to a stable, not a manger, but a house. And it was a child. It was not a baby, but a young child. And by the way, in the scripture, the Greek word for a baby is the word brethos. It means a child in the womb or a brand new baby. That's brethos. But there is a word for a little boy 
It's pation. It means a little boy. This says they saw the pation, the little boy. He's not a baby. I mean, if you've always loved manger scenes and the three wise men there and everything, that's fine. But they really weren't there that night. You know, we used to have a manger scene and we would have the scene, but we'd have the wise men like way over here and saying, they're making it. It'll take them a couple of years, but they'll eventually be there. What was the message? There's the born king of the Jews. The response, they believed, they came and they worshiped. Now think about Herod and think about the religious leaders. A group has shown up from the east, a huge group, saying we're coming to find the one born king of the Jews. We've been traveling about two years. And they said Bethlehem. For those religious leaders, Bethlehem was less than eight miles away. And they would not travel eight miles to see if he was the Messiah. Where these wise men traveled hundreds of miles to find him. They believed. Well... We've seen the shepherds, we've seen Simeon, we've seen the wise men. We got one more, and I kind of wish we'd have left him out. It's Herod. It's Herod the king. What was the message? Where's he is born king of the Jews? That's what he heard. There's one born king of the Jews who is the Messiah and the Savior. His response? He was troubled. He wasn't wanting anybody to take his place. In fact, he was such an evil man. If you read history, when his sons got old enough that they began to be a threat to him, that they might possibly want to be king, he killed his children. That's the kind of man he was. He had no trouble killing boy babies two years old and under. He had no trouble doing that. He sent his soldiers and said, go kill every little boy baby two years old and under based about the time that they told me they first saw the star. He didn't want to worship. He wanted to kill. Herod was tricked. He was tricked by the, by the magi. They left and the angel warned them and said, don't go back to Herod and tell him where the baby is. You get out of here and you go back. And they went back another way. And when he found out they never came back and he found out he'd been tricked, he said, verse 16, when Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the magi, he was enraged. And he went, sent and he slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and his vicinity, two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the magi. Herod had all the baby boys killed. His message, the message to him, was the baby born king of the Jews. His response, he was troubled, he lied, he rejected, and he killed. It's a picture of our world. When we tell people about the Savior Jesus Christ and the birth, and we celebrate this, I mean, you know, the whole, much of the world celebrates this, but they don't celebrate it the way we do. They celebrate it because there's trees and, and presents and Santa Claus and all that, and we celebrate it because it's the birth of our Savior, the Savior of the world. And so we realize that some will believe and worship and some will reject and even try to destroy the message. You know how it is sometimes when you start telling people that the Bible is true and that Jesus is God and that he's the Savior, he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, that the baby born in Bethlehem is the Savior of the world. Sometimes they make fun of you and sometimes they're even against you and sometimes they try to destroy you. As we speak about this special time of the year, let's look at some applications. The first one, let's realize we've been given a message from God. We have. Jesus is born. He's the Savior. That when we think about 
what we call Christmas, well, Christmas Eve and Christmas, the birth of the Savior, that we, the, the Savior of the world has come. The one that the whole world waited for, from Genesis 3.15, the seed of woman who crushed the head of the serpent, to Genesis chapter 12, the seed of Abraham will bring blessing to the whole world. To 2 Samuel 7, where the son of David will be the Messiah and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To Daniel chapter 7, where he'll come, the son of man will set up a kingdom that will never end. To Luke chapter 2, where the son of Mary will be both Savior and King. When Jesus was being baptized and the Father said, This is my beloved Son, the Son of God, whom I'm well pleased. And John the Baptist who said, The Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. The Savior has been born. We have the Messiah and the Savior, Jesus Christ. What do we do? Let's believe and proclaim. Believe the message. Realize that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Acts 4.12, there's no other name under heaven given by we might be saved. John 14.6, he is the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. If you've never understood this, if you've never understood what Christmas is all about, Christmas is about the baby being born who indeed is the Savior of the world. And if you will believe in him, he gives you eternal life. He has a promise. He died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again to conquer death. And he offers to you a promise, a gift, the gift of eternal life. When you believe in him, he gives you eternal life. Let's proclaim. Let's make this message known to our world, to our community. Good news, which brings joy to all people. The gospel, the joy of salvation, and all who trust in Christ, all who believe in Jesus, have eternal life. That takes us to the last thing. Let's realize that there will be some who reject the message. It's so sad in our lives that we talk to people and we tell them about Jesus and they just won't believe it. And they reject it, just like Herod did. And yet we have the greatest privilege of all, and that's to tell anybody we come in contact with. So my prayer for all of us, even, even though Christmas is past, we still have this great opportunity. We have been given a message. It is the message that Jesus is the Messiah and the Savior. We believe that message. We proclaim that message.